at least they're not broken. Straight into my eyes. So this has started off really well. Yeah, great. I start with an injury. <laughs> is this where you do them all, your podcasts, unless you're in the middle of a field somewhere or in your car? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> That's we, good. We sit here. Is that comfortable? Right? Yes, I'm of, comfortable, yes. We could spread out. We could. I think I might do that. I might do it like, do you remember the, um, oh, what was the programme? I remember. But she used to do the Paula, what's her name? He used to do the interviews in bed. Oh, I could feel like I'm on your, yeah, I'm, your I'm kind sp- of psychology couch, really, couldn't I? Yeah, I'm thinking I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> well, well, you keep your feet you keep your feet there. I'm just gonna bang over. I'm gonna just I'm gonna nestle into the corner here. Look at yeah, okay. Good job oh. it's not a video, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the CCTV though. <laughs> You've got it recorded. I have got it recorded. We were thinking about that actually. One of the problems I have with weddings is that sometimes it's two and a half years mm. from me pitching in here yeah. to the wedding. Yeah. I turn up and got a clue what they look like. I know, you're like, <laughs> can't remember them. And I don't like, know, I don't know. Ooh. Like I, you pre-shoot and you think, oh, is that them there? Yeah. And they, yeah. they can clearly remember what you look like. Yeah, the symmetry in this gig is horrible. And I, I saw someone yesterday, I bumped into them completely out of context and they're Oh, hello, how are you? And I'm, hello, who are you? <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm really, it's terrible being in the, the the industry that we're in, but I'm really not good with faces. You know, no, if I'm, I'm a, the same. Yeah, I'm, Paul would say you'd think you would remember a face, to be quite honest. Yeah, but it's not, I was saying this to Sarah last night, because obviously, you know, I'd said I'd, I'd struggled, I could not remember this person. And Sarah, instant, got it, knew exactly yeah. who they were. And the minute she told me who they were, I could recount stories from the shoot, details. Yeah. Subtleties in the lighting, even. I could tell you an awful lot about my experience with that person. Mm. And it's all there. It's like the memory is there. I just can't yeah. get to it. No, that's the same. I, I, and Paul will say the same. We'll be chatting and this couple will be there and I'm just thinking I hope he says their name as I'm here <laughs> and we'll walk away he's like you've absolutely no idea have you and I'm yeah. like no, no it's really awful yeah. but same as you the yeah. minute he, he says yeah. who it is I remember yeah. Uh, yeah no Sarah always laughs at me she says you don't know who that is do you no but wouldn't you think when you photograph faces you would remember that yeah but the great thing about not remembering in the way I do is I invent the shots from the ground up every day yeah because you look at everything completely fresh because I have very little memory and maybe that's part of it the other business that I was in I used to remember who people were then yeah but that was completely different business really well your brain does adapt yeah and it adapts to what it needs yeah and I've got Sarah yeah you know the only thing I need what I need is a little earpiece because it's particularly bad on the cruises where um I suddenly have to learn 800 faces yeah. And of course that's nigh on impossible. Yeah. Plus the crew, there's another thousand crew who an awful lot of them, you know, yeah. I, I become friendly with. And she I could really said do Lady Roberta, now come up and I right. like, <laughs> yeah. Sarah just did a little earpiece. You photographed them yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Great day yesterday, wasn't, wasn't it? Wasn't it amazing? Images looking uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. The kids' names are as it's all coming in my ear, like yeah. a producer, you know. <laughs> I thought about doing it for the podcast is getting Sarah to be the producer. That'd be good, actually. It's just to sit and, and yeah. you know, feed me bits in the background where I can ask the yeah. questions where it's not. It's just me and you sitting on the sofa. Lying. Why the, well, not lying. That sounds all wrong. <laughs> 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 I 
There's uh, two ways you could take that, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Given I'm not actually recording visuals, I'm only recording audio. He says, just keeping an eye on this recorder. Speak, Karen. I've been speaking. Yeah, I'm just taking my levels. Okay. You're coming up quite quiet. You're gentle. Unlike me, who's loud. I'm very gentle. Yeah, you're very gentle. I'm going to leave the levels where you are. I was listening are. to your podcast on the way down, actually. Which one? Um, your most recent one with Steve. your fit life. Yeah. It's a nice podcast. Yeah. Everyone sounds so lovely on your podcast. Well, you do too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see, <laughs> Quieter than I am. We always see, won't we? Yeah. yeah. No, it's a lovely thing to do. I get to meet all sorts of nice people. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like the Chris Coos interview as well with Hasselblad. He's really nice. That's the one I... Um, I think it was a little bit longer than the other one, so mm. I thought while I'm coming down, I'll I'll play. Yeah, I've toyed with the different lengths, but it turns out a me on my own, 20, 25 minutes is right. Yeah. And a me with somebody else, about an hour is about right. So we'll be all out for about half an hour today then. Half an hour. <laughs> 30 minutes. Me, me, I'm going to get the producer upstairs, so we'll actually be shouting down. It's time to finish, Paul. Right. Because me and you will chat forever. Yeah. As we have. Frequently. I know. You don't realise, do you? And time just goes, oh, really? No. Two time? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually recording this bit. I thought we'd, for a change, I do mm. a cold start, a cold opener. We're ah. just going to continue into it. I might, put, I might cut into the, the theme music about now. Yeah, that's, that's about good, right. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, about right. Off, we're off. So, he- so hello, Karen. Hello, Paul. Thank Tell you for inviting me. Oh, you're very. No, it's my pleasure. Uh, we I think it's really exciting. I was like, they want really? to interview me. Well, of course, you want to interview yeah. me. You're really interesting and a good photographer and a good friend of ours. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I would let you walk up to the top of our office and look at me and go, "Where's your smile, Paul?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's it's not everyone I'd let do yeah. that. It's like you're not dressed today. Where's your smile? You've had a haircut. Where's the smile I'm to go dressed. with? I'm not dressed. Yeah, with your smile. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Where that was you were dressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like lying on here, isn't it? <laughs> what kind of image are we portraying? Yeah, hard drive failure does that to you, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will record a podcast on backup strategies and, you know, because, I mean, the one good thing is that, look, I'm laughing about having a hard drive failure. We have had catastrophic hard drive failures twice in about 10 days, two big ones. Oh, yeah. And twice it's cost me some stress. And obviously a replacement hard drive, but yeah. nothing so far lost. <laughs> I could find yeah, some wood. You've been able it. to recover it because your backup procedures are, are yeah. in place. But you've mentioned that on a podcast before, though, haven't you? Yeah, it might one come a, up one again. of the ones right at the very beginning. Yeah, it might yeah. come up again. It might yeah. be one of those. Just play it to yourself. <laughs> That's right. I'm just going to repeatedly, yeah. <laughs> repeatedly talk about. Yeah, you should put it backup. out there after highlights this week. Well, yeah. not such a highlight. It wasn't a highlight. Yeah. So no, I was sitting there this morning when you arrived, my head in my hands. So tell me, Karen Massey. Mm. Why did you become a photographer? Mm, I'm going to sound a bit like a cliche here. Um, I've, be- I've got into photography fairly recently, so it's been really over the last, since 2005. Right. So to me that's quite recent, yeah. <laughs> given my age. Before that I did beauty therapy, um, and I did that for about 18 years. Right. So quite a long time. And I had my children, and I couldn't really continue with my beauty therapy business any longer um, because we'd always wanted children, so uh, and we found them difficult to have. 
not dif- difficult to have. <laughs> they are difficult to have. And they love you too. <laughs> they love you too. I love them. They're, they're amazing girls. But we'd, ha- we'd had a lot of struggles to have children. So when they did finally come along, unexpectedly, I thought it was only fair to actually um, hang up my makeup brushes, as yeah. it was really, and look after my children. And I picked up a camera, just a, a small little one that we took on holiday. And from there, I thought, I really quite like this. Maybe I could learn a little bit more about it. So I went to night school um, and did my sitting guilds. Level one, two, and three. Well, the level one was like a 12 week course. It's an introduction. And then I did my level two and three and I was there for three years and loved it. And that's how it all started. So technically you're more qualified than I am in photography. You think? Yeah, I never took any qualifications except for my qualifications, obviously. Yeah, well, you've got your professional qualifications and I'm pleased that I've gone on and done those to associateship. And I, I just live for the day that I can be as good as you are and have the amazing, because you really inspire me. So to be able to produce the images that you, you do, um, I find really inspiring. But yeah, I, I did my sitting gills, level two and three, and I really enjoyed it. And I just thought, well, I can make a career out of this. But the first thing I went on to do was, um, because it was a natural progression from photographing my own children, yeah. the, the natural progression for me was to go and photograph children at a nursery. Yeah. And um, I sat with, here comes your gorgeous little pooch. <laughs> he'll come and say hello, and then he'll quietly try and sneak out that door. Hello. For anyone listening to the podcast, we're now being distracted by a small brown spaniel <laughs> who has come down to it's say just hello. wagging. He's very wagging. Yeah. Come and say hello. Wagging. Yeah. Right. So, hey, yeah, I decided to go and first. Rufus. Oh. Kill. The, the edit Aww. on this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> I think I might just leave it all intact and just let people make a bit worth Tell you yeah. what, people, um, do a self-edit. Yeah. Just fast forward the bits you're not interested in, me shouting at the dog, for instance. Anyway, where were we? we were, you went and photographed in the nursery. Yeah, so I did nursery photography and I wanted to go in on the angle that, you know, my children were photographed at their nursery and their pictures were just awful. Yeah. You know, their hair hadn't been brushed and their nose hadn't been wiped and... It was on a background, so I wanted to go in a little bit different. And I know they're up against time and they're photographing a lot of children that are there, but I decided that I would go in over a couple of days and I would photograph them in the environment that they, their parents would imagine them being, which is playing outside and getting Mickey with Play-Doh, but their hair would be brushed and they'd have clean noses and, and mouths yeah. as well. So I did that and I did that really successfully actually for a couple of years and I, I got known locally around the area with nurseries. But you know what? It's such hard work, really hard work. Tough and, business. Yeah, and you know, photography is a, a pleasurable job to be in. Um, I wouldn't say it's a job really, but it, it's a great profession to be in. But nurseries made it really hard work <laughs> and made me reconsider: is this where I want to be? And then a family member asked me would I photograph their wedding. So I think that was about nine, ten years ago. Um, so I said, I've not done a wedding before and I hear all these photographers saying about how high pressured it is and um, going into other genres of photography and I thought do you know what I will do it it's family what could possibly go wrong did it go wrong and it didn't actually you know I was quite surprised it didn't go wrong and I loved it I really got a buzz from doing it I mean if I look back on my images now I mean they treasure them it's their wedding day and they you know they know that I hadn't 
kind of refined my skill as such. But they love the images and they still post them online every now and again, you know, their 10th anniversary or what anniversary it is. And from there, I decided maybe I should learn a little bit more about the wedding photography and be on my feet a bit more rather than be on my knees chasing children around a, a playground. So that's the way it went. And I run both alongside of each other for quite a while, actually. So the weddings and the nurseries, because I didn't want to let go of this income that was really quite good coming in um, from doing the nurseries. And I was selling prints at the nurseries because I know I do listen to your podcasts and I, I hear, you know, and I believe in selling prints. So, but it was a good revenue stream having that coming in from the nurseries and, and getting myself going and being able to raise my prices from weddings. So the first business you ran was the makeup and beauty business? Yeah, so I went to, when I left um, school, I went to college for three years and trained in hair and beauty. Hair and Uh, beauty in business or hair and beauty? Hair and beauty. So hairdressing, it was a three-year course. The first year was hairdressing and it was two years of beauty therapy. And it was the beauty therapy part that I really wanted to be in. That's all I ever wanted to do when I was at school. And I loved it. It was a, a brilliant career, and um, I went on to do many things within that industry. One regret that I didn't do was go and work on the cruise liners, and I would have enjoyed that. Although I know it's hard work. As a beautician. As a yeah. Have you talked to beauticians on the cruise liners? Yes. So we we had a talk from Steiner at the time. They right. came in and spoke what life would be like on the cruises, and I was under no illusions that it was going to be a party and that it was going to be hard work. But I also knew that if that was one of your first jobs, then you, you know, people generally went on to have a good career within the industry. Um, But I didn't do that. My first job was on a health farm. I went on work experience for a month. So my college was in Lancashire and I gradually came this way because my first, my work experience was in Leicestershire um, on a health farm at the time, which was called Springs. Where in Lancashire were you? Not far from your friends in the north. Um, so I'm about 15, 20 minutes from Preston is where my family live. My okay. parents are up there right. and my brother and sister are still up there. You've, you've lost most of the accent. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, that was the health farm that did that. So once I left college, I'd done the month on my work experience. <laughs> my, and they said, My friends. You're talking about yeah, Martin Baines and Dave Stanbury. Yeah, and they've become my friends as well, and I love them. I had lunch actually a couple of weeks ago with Martin, and um, I wish him every luck with the. the oh, he's going to be amazing. Job. He's going to be amazing. He's I, perfectly I can't wait suited to, see. to that job. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see what he's going to do, actually. Um, but yeah, I, the health farm said to me if you pass your exams with distinction within beauty will take you on as a full-time therapist and I did I passed with distinction in everything that I did within beauty therapy so they they stuck to their word and they gave me a job so I left college on the Monday this is in the summer in July and I told them I predicted I was going to get distinctions and they said what day do you finish told them the date and they said can you start on the Monday so that was it I must have made an impression um so I got the job, I, I kind of moved my home, well my clothes, because you don't have a lot, do you, no, <laughs> at that no. age? So I moved all my possessions that I had that fit into a tiny little room because I was living in, and that was it. I was there for about 18 months. But like, when I was there, are you saying you've lost your accent when I was there? They said, Karen, you wouldn't get away with this now. 
uh, they said, Karen, we love your work, but we find that your accent's a little bit northern. So if you can just cut, <laughs> if you can cut the broadness off your accent, that'd work very well with our clientele. This is, this, is a health, this is a health clinic in Leicester. Yeah, in Leicestershire. Right. Yeah. Ashby de la Zouche. It oh, was it? Springs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's changed oh. owners since. Yeah, you wouldn't and get away with that you wouldn't get away with that now. But I, I listened to what they said and then I tried to be all posh when I was speaking to my clients. Uh, but that was brilliant there because, one, I would imagine you would do what you would do on a cruise liner. So I kind of got a bit of that you had to get your hands dirty you were given lots of back massages to do which was the hard work um that was the one thing that you didn't want to do back to back every half an hour a different back massage yeah. but i had the pleasure of you know meeting at the time the cast of eastenders and being um having my hands in the politest way doing massage with um people like nigel ben um and big stars that yeah. were on the health farm and I loved it and I'd done 18 months and it was time to move on from there um, so I did and I came to Leamington Spa which really isn't that far from Leicestershire really no and for and then you set up your own business yeah so I worked in small salons um, in Leamington yeah. first and I gained the ex so I'd had experience on the health farm and then I gained a little bit more experience in running just a small beauty room and from there, I, I went to one salon, which I, I, I used to manage the salon. So I went in, I would set them up. Yeah. I did that in a few places. Yeah. I'd set them up, I'd take the staff on, um, and then I'd kind of move on and do it somewhere else. So I was almost headhunted within that business to do that. And then my last salon that I worked in being employed, I got married at the age of 25. So I was really young. Uh, so I've been married 22 years this year. But you've just given your age away. I have given it away, but I can just see people's minds working while they're listening <laughs> to this, thinking, well, how old is she now? She's done beauty for 18 years. And you... So yeah, um, I've been married 22 years and got married at 25. So from that, we went on honeymoon, and the day we got back from honeymoon, I was told I'd been made redundant that they didn't want to work the beauty along with the hairdressing. They wanted to concentrate on the hairdressing side of things and they were letting the beauty go. So my job went as well. Yeah. So I went to work in boots because I've never been out of work since the age of 12. So I went to work in boots for number seven. Since the age of 12. You sound like a proper northern lass. I, I did. Worked down pits from age of 12. Do you know, my dad used to take me to the fruit and veg market yeah. at half six in the morning and I had that work ethic and that's what I've I'm, always I'm assuming had. he worked on the... Fruit and veg. No, no. So would we you lived in Blackburn. He would take me at six o'clock in the morning to make sure I was there to get the stall ready. Right, okay. There's, yeah. there's a link missing. He didn't just take you then, drop you, say, go no, look yeah, for yeah. work. Go and look for work. <laughs> go collect money. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a tin and a, yeah. here's a hat. Go sit on that corner yeah. there. Make sure you bring back money. We need to eat tonight. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't that. I used to work from six till six on the fruit and veg stall. That was yeah. my very first job at the age of 12. Yeah, I did the same thing. Not yeah. that young, but I did the same thing. I used to love yeah. it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It's great for your maths. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I just, I, we, had, we had this incredible stall when I worked at, this is in Mould, yeah. in North Wales, on a Saturday. I'd go and I'd help rig. Same as you, same, similar story. And it was, I worked for this Scouse family, this Liverpoolian family, who'd bring, who'd bring the fruit and veg in the yeah. stall. And uh, the grandmother, of this family would sit so it's a long stall it must be about four meters long 
Yeah. And it's laden, fruit and veg, all scraped down the front as a display. And then on the back, we had stock as well. So it's this long stall. And there's a yeah. back section, an equal amount, um, on facing onto two sides of the street. It's a huge thing. And she'd sit in the middle, down the end, watching us all. And we weren't allowed to use calculators. We had to empty our pockets and everything as we rocked up and they were yeah. put in sealed bags to pick up at the end of the day. Um, we weren't given pens and paper. We were just given a lot of paper bags yeah. and this eagle-eyed grandmother. And when you went to her, so you take the money off the customer, take it to her and either it was correct or get the change to give back to the customer, she'd know. She'd know how much each of us was taking at any time and she could correct you. Oh, wow. And she, she'd say you really useful things like, you put one too many apples in that bag, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> She said it with a Scarus accent, not yeah. that accent. She was brilliant. So it was good for your maths. And I think it was good. We, you know, we didn't have calculators. There wasn't phones. You didn't have a till that would add it all up for you. It was in your head, yeah. in a brown paper bag. Yeah. And I used to love doing that thing. It's really, you know, like working in yeah. a sweet shop where you rolled the That's bag it. over. and One flip or two. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you knew you got the right amount. Yeah. And you could, some bags you had to knock because they're clear yeah. plastics and things. And if the potatoes went in it, they'd oh, split the bag. Funny. Yeah. Because one of the things I've not remembered, and it's only now I'm talking to you, I have remembered, is of course one of the things we were taught was how to interact with our customers. Yeah. How to smile. Yeah. And you were laughing at me, my smile had gone this morning, but how to smile at a customer, no matter what you're feeling. Yeah. Now, always be nice, even if they're saying, I don't want that one, or you've got that wrong, or whatever yeah. it is, you know, how to be likable, I suppose. Yeah. I and you never had to be at the same at eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock yeah, yeah, at yeah, night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. clearing down. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd forgotten that. Maybe that's where the, maybe this is where photographer skills come from. Fruit <laughs> yeah, and veg. Maybe. Fruit and veg. There's the training in yeah. it. Go on a fruit and veg store for a, a couple of years. But saying about maths, I'm not sure if it helped me with my GCSE. I think my maths teacher might have disagreed with that. Oh no, I remember. I remember that part of it. I could dance coinage. Yeah. So that's the maths, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not actual maths. It's yeah. coinage. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you can do with coins, fifty p's and twenty p's, and yeah. remembering how much each bag has cost and adding it up as you went yeah. and getting it to the right amount at the end. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I loved it. So anyway, <laughs> that's quite a distraction. I've never, I haven't talked about that in donkey's years. I'd forgotten it's all about nice it. It's nice to remember these things though, isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, every Saturday. Yeah, mm. and I was always there without fail, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. we had yeah. to be, or she yeah. lost a job. Yeah. You know, we, people talk about zero hours contracts now. There was no contract There's then. There's no contract. You, you were did. just either in uh, one week or if you didn't if you didn't see your friend the following week, yeah. they'd been given out too much change maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, people went for that. And if your face didn't fit, that was it. You were out. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, yeah, there was no, well, there was no employment law. No. As such. No. I mean, there must have been, but it, it didn't seem to apply in a market stall in mould. No. <laughs> I was there for a few years. I loved yeah, I it. I, it was really great. And my poor dad getting up every Saturday six o'clock but you know what I've instilled that work ethic in my girls as well so yeah. they're 13 and 15 and Isabel's had a job and now you have to be 14 and there are rules yes, and right. regulations but she's had a job for about two and a half years and paid from the age of 14 so she's been paid for 18 months and, yeah. and knows what it is to to earn her own money yeah it's funny isn't it yeah. Jake's very similar actually yeah um, actually, I mean, both our kids have got a strong work ethic, but Jake has got a money ethic too. Yeah. He likes being well paid, does Jake? Ah. Uh, we'll see where that takes him. See, Isabel, who has the job, she likes getting the money and she can spend it really well. Yeah. As Amelia, uh, she can't get a job yet. She's not quite 14, not long off, and she's counting the days down. Uh, but spending money that she gets or any money off relatives or Christmas, birthday, she saves it. She knows exactly how much money she's got. She looks at her bank statements when they come in, uh, which I think is a great thing to know what you've scale. got. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it can only put them in good stead for the future, yeah. I think. So anyway, you're, you're in boots. 
I was in boots, yes. Uh, I just thought I need a job. I'd always been in a job from the age of 12. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to work in boots. I was there for 12 months and became number seven consultant of the Midlands. Right. Let, just to clarify for anyone that's not makeup savvy, that's not the number seventh consultant. No, no, That's the no, consultant the for brand, the brand. Number, number seven. seven. <laughs> yeah. So I was on a counter. I was selling makeup. I knew a lot about makeup because I used to do bridal makeup within um, the salon. So there was a job going as a makeup consultant on a counter within Boots for number seven. So I went and did that for 12 months and I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't doing... I enjoyed it because I pushed myself to be the best I could be. And where you could go in that job is to be the best makeup artist for number seven, yeah. which I, I became and yeah. I did it within 12 months. But I was seen there by um, college. So I right. went and taught. So I'm, I've got to take this picture. This is really funny. I'm going to take this picture. I'm going to tweet that in a minute. So I went and taught beauty therapy at college. So I got talking to one of the lecturers. They right. said you'd be great right. um, within a college environment and teaching. She used to come to me in the salon and that's how that started. Yeah. So I, I then started to teach at college and I did that for about seven years. So I always had all these different jobs and I was always juggling lots of pies but or fruit and veg. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I loved it. But I stayed at number seven for about 12 months and that's when I went and opened my own salon right. after that so right. my salon came so uh, that as a business yeah you grew that from just you to how many beauticians did you have working for you yes yeah, so so I'm, so I'm doing yeah, all of this because no, no, no. I was I supposed started... to research this morning but when the disc I came in and I got red lights on my discs all of the hour I'd set aside to do my homework on yeah. <laughs> had somewhat dissipated so now I'm now making this up as I go along no that's fine not a problem um, yeah, I went on to do the salon. It's something that was just a natural progression. I, I loved it. So why not have your own salon? That was the next thing, wasn't it? That's yeah. surely what you'd do. Yeah. So we found this premises on uh, one of the nicest little roads in, in Leamington called Park Street. So I was there. It used to be owned by Bang & Olufsen. So it, must, it had to be. It's going to be nice then. It's, yeah, it was nice. But we had to um, completely renovate the place, knock it to pieces. Yeah. Uh, we built out of that five treatment rooms. So nothing like going small and starting with one treatment room. Um, I went all in, five treatment rooms, because then I knew I had room to grow, even if I started in one room myself and, and employed yeah. after that. But you soon start to learn a lot more about business when you're talking about purchasing stock, your staff wages, yep. your your kind of business taxes that you've got to pay your rent which is extortionate being on a high street so there was all those things that you have to um kind of think about and those expenses outweighed what I would bring in as one therapist so I had to employ staff and at one stage I had 10 staff either working full-time or part-time uh, that would include a receptionist somebody in sales somebody who would come in work self-employed and also mm. staff that I employed because it's an interesting business model, isn't it, in beautician and hair and those industries? Yeah. Because there's a proper blend of employees and self-employed people who come in and pay like a seat rental or a bed rental yeah. or room rental or commission. There's yeah. a various models for it. So you have to balance all of those kind of Yeah, and there's things. certain things within that industry that you wouldn't get somebody really in full time doing certain aspects of, of 
the job really so you had to get somebody in who maybe just did it part-time and rented a room so we had four rooms and there was one room that I would rent out to different you know as you say they would pay a seat fee or yeah. a room fee um, I didn't take a commission of their earnings I didn't think that was fair because they've got to earn a living as well yeah. I just took what I needed for the room and that included their lighting and everything else yeah so yeah and so how long did you run that for three years and the reason that came about was I was working at college uh, teaching beauty therapy and as I say I was there about seven years and that it was a natural progression but in that time we tried to have children Paul and I and it didn't quite work out so I thought right I'm not going to put my career on hold any longer I've always wanted my own salon so I'm going to go all out to get it yeah and it was more or less a week after opening that I found out I was expecting <laughs> with Isabel. It's always but, the way. Oh, yeah, always yeah. the way. Um, so I could manage the salon and all the staff with one little girl and I used to walk in with a pram and see how the staff was doing and, and I was still working on the day that I delivered Isabel. I was in and out of hospital within a few hours. My labour was really quick, in and out. You were aware there's lots of people work. groaning at the... I know. Oh. Thing really? Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. yeah, it was half an hour, start to finish. Yeah, that's not you know, fair. Three weeks early, I was still working. But I was really back to work within a week because that's what you have to do when yeah. you've got your own business. Yeah. And then along came Amelia. And I thought, do you know what? This really isn't fair to either me, my staff, Paul. And while all this is going on, Paul had also opened his own business. He'd gone into uh, with partnership with a a logistics company that they'd started up and one business had to give and that was mine I wanted to look after the girls it's what I'd wanted for for a long time so yeah I sold the salon and you know made a good profit at it and then so you took time out I assume or did you you didn't pick up a camera at that point or was that just a kind of natural progressive thing you were photographing the kids yeah it was a natural progression I went to do my sitting guilds while the girls were babies and right. I picked up the camera while Isabel was tiny so I was photographing her while she was a baby before I even had Amelia yeah and then I decided to go to college once I'd given I couldn't not do anything so I went to college to see if this is what I could learn to love as a career really and I did and that's where we are today it's a lovely career yeah I love it so rolling forwards what was that first wedding like to photograph yeah, so the family wedding. It was stressful, running around like a headless chicken. No matter how much I thought I'd prepared for it, in my head I thought I'd prepared for it and I'd written things down. I was pleasantly surprised at the level that I was at at the time, what kind of images I got. But it was quite funny having family there. They were like, oh, you should do this pose. And oh, their family, let's see them, get them together and, you know, get this group together and make sure you get this shot and that shot. And that's probably where I went home and thought, I can't have people telling me what I should be doing at a wedding. Even if that wasn't my family, I can't have my couples telling me on a day and getting stressed, I've got to be prepared. So I went and did some second shooting with photographers that weren't within my area. So I went back up to Lancashire actually and did some second shooting up there. And what has significantly changed since that first wedding for you? As in 
my business or with weddings? What have you yeah. learned along the way? That I is- suppose one is being organised and super meticulously organised. I have every kind of I dotted and T crossed on that one. And I think some of my couples think, oh, she's going into so much detail and actually we just want a document of our mm. day. And that's what couples see. They just want their, their day yeah. documenting. But actually to be able to document that, you've got to know really in quite detail how they see their wedding day running and actually maybe guide them on what may work and may not work. And maybe I know how you've said that you run weddings is in the fact that it's lots of portrait sessions, which it is, but I also like to capture those, just those in-between moments. Mm. I always say that shoot for the in-between. And not that I like to sneak under bushes and do it with a, you know, a zoom lens. I don't do that. I get right in the middle of the action and I like to be talking to Mm. my couple's friends and family and and get to know them. And that's the way I get a lot of the shots that I get. And I help out on the day as well. You know, the amount of flowers I've rearranged on, you know, the groom's lapels and the groomsmen, in fact. And I like to be part of the whole day. I suppose I go along... And I get nervous before every wedding yeah, still. Do. I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm terrified about four days in advance of a wedding. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, it's not funny. No, it's no, certainly it's not. not funny feeling like that. But it's strange that yeah. you've done it for so long. And I'm probably in my ninth year of weddings. And I still really love doing a wedding. But I'm, I do actually find them the very hard work. Yeah. As in physically hard work, your kit weighs a ton. You've got to have your back up there. You've got to have your lights in case there's no light whatsoever. I don't go and recce where I'm shooting. I just don't do that because it could be completely different on the day to what you do when you go and recce it. Yes, you might know certain aspects of the venue and where you think you might want to shoot, but actually, in reality, that changes on the day, doesn't it? It does, yeah. No, I will recce a venue if I don't know it. Mostly... I mean, I've driven, I've done it before. I've driven about two and a half hours to a venue. I don't shoot long distance venues anymore. I try not to anyway. Yeah. But I've driven two and a half hours to do five minutes and two and a half hours back before now because my biggest fear, and this is these are real stories, you know, is your sat-nav takes you to completely the wrong place. Yes, thank you. Can you say that again for my husband who might listen to this? Your sat-nav does what? <laughs> it takes you to the wrong location. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, there's plenty I've of... I've got da- in trouble. <laughs> there's plenty of data errors in yeah. sat-nav. It's getting better. Yeah. It is actually, I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've gone to completely the wrong place, but it has happened. And so, you know, that particular one where it took me to the wrong place, luckily I also had internet access on a phone. I had old TomTom and I t- dialed it into Google Maps and it was giving me, for the same postcode, a completely yeah. different location. Um, also, big stately homes tend to have a groundsman's entrance mm. and the number of times the sat-nav has taken you to the back door of what is essentially a four-mile drive yeah. around a venue... And that's no good to you. Yeah, it's going to add another 10, 15 minutes and I'm going to be late and I hate that. So I will, I will recce venue mostly, not, not because I want to pre-visualise the shots. I just want to know where it is. <laughs> yeah, where is this venue? Where is this venue? And am I going in the tradesman's entrance? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who do I ask for? You know, those yeah. kinds of things. I'm, I'm a big venue tomorrow. Look, I've shot it before. But I'm already terrified, you know. And I'm prepared. I'm like you. Yeah. I have lists. I have plans. Sorry, that sounds wrong. You know, it makes it sound like I'm not going to be creative on the day, which is, of course, not true. But I know exactly where everyone else is supposed to be and where I'm supposed yeah. to be because it's all choreographed in that regard. Um, and I, I like to be, unlike you, I like to be organised because then on the day it can flow really naturally. Yeah. 
it's not that it's rigorous sorry it's not that it's rigid it's the other way around but without a plan it yeah. always feels harder somehow it does and i think it's getting that message to your uh, your couples that mm. actually by knowing a lot more information that they're seeing is quite rigid because you're writing it down yeah. it's actually making it a lot more free flowing and right. natural on yeah, the day yeah. well as a project manager for years yeah and uh, i know it's much easier to modify a plan than to have no plan yeah and i'm i more than happy you know we I, people say i mean i say i'm a portrait photographer wedding but by that i really just mean that's my security blanket. Yeah, definitely. I like faces. It's about faces. But I'm like you. I like to climb into the middle of these, you know, find... I have a nose for people about to laugh. I have a very high yeah. hit rate of getting the moment people start to laugh. And I don't know how... I just... I, there's something about the way people talk and yeah. the way their body language is. I can find... I will be there yeah. just at the moment. It all erupts. And I've got a pretty... I like that stuff. Yeah. It makes me smile. Yeah, definitely. I think I have a, um, a kind of eye for seeing when people are going to cry. Ah, that's the one that I get, yeah. No, the other, the, yeah. either end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do like And a, I like that as well. I like the emotion that you yeah. get from weddings. Well, I like the emotion that you get from any kind of photographer, to be honest, because there's, there's different emotions in everything that you shoot. But I particularly love the emotion that you do get at weddings because it's, it's so varied, isn't it? I never forget anybody else that's a wedding. So I'll always ask um, the mum or the dad or the sister or even the children in some of the weddings, how are you feeling about today? You know, what's mm. it, you know, what's it going to be like for you? And I like to know how they're feeling about it. If they're saying they're really nervous, I'm looking out for that within my shots. Yeah. But a, a Hollywood tear is still a rare thing indeed. Yeah. You know, it's your favourite tear shot, isn't it? Just one tear gently yeah. rolling down a beautifully made up face. Yeah. No blotchiness, no snotty tissue. <laughs> yeah. You know, at least if they're going to blow their nose, they've got a hanky ready. Yeah. But they're not actually <laughs> into their hanky. Yeah. And it's so rare. What you actually get is someone. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, onto the napkin. Yeah, it's a big sob, isn't it? And a soggy yeah. napkin, you're yeah, right. You're like, That's not a good picture. No. Whereas you watch it done in movies and it's just one tear. A solitary. And, and the makeup doesn't even move. Well, I think looking back on my uh, beauty days, that'd be like a teardrop of glycerin yeah. that's been placed. Yeah. But I did a wedding, uh, as I say the other day, it's a, a few months ago now, and uh, bless her, the bride cried during the speeches. And then I got the retouch notes through, which oh. is after this point, can you double check my makeup in every single shot? That's a lot of shots to go through and double check. Yeah. Uh, eye makeup. She's lovely. I didn't mind doing it for her at all. But it's still quite a lot of, you know, yeah. I wish I wish we'd had a makeup artist on hand and we'd have, you know, done a quick session after the speeches. But bless her, it's all quite emotional. And uh, do you know what? I don't, I also get emotional at yes. the wedding. And I don't shy away from that. Although I hide behind my camera a yeah. little bit longer than maybe yeah. I would often. I don't shy. And, and sometimes when I've seen my brides as well in their dress for the first time, and I've got that connection because obviously as the photographer, you'll be one of the first to see them yeah. in their dress, if not the first, because some don't like any anybody getting them ready. Yeah. So I'll often stand there and just take yeah. a moment myself, yeah. I did cry in one ceremony. I won't, I won't tell the details of the ceremony, but it was it was really very moving. And I knew what was, you know, the whole story. I, was, I knew the family. Yeah. And uh, midway through the ceremony, the father of the groom got up to give me a hanky. Oh. <laughs> I was just sobbing. It was just one of those, and because uh, I could see everybody else, because I was uh, rarely I don't usually stand at the front. It's not my favourite place to be, but the registrars were quite keen that I did, um, and it was it was a better view for this particular room setup. But the registrars, I I've worked with them a lot, and they like 
helping me if they can. And yeah. so they said, stand there. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's the best place, but we'll go for it. So I'm now in front looking at all of these couple of hundred people and they're looking back at me. All they can see is the backs of everyone's heads and my face yeah. and the registrar's face. I can see hundreds of people looking at me. Yeah. And then I sobbed. And luckily for me, the father of the groom came and gave me a hanky because I had one in my bag, but I was trying really hard not to yeah. resort to it. But he strode to the front. But that's very true, isn't it, actually? If you stood there at the front, when you're feeling emotional in a ceremony as a guest, you are there just solitary on your own trying yeah. to hold it together. But actually, as the photographer stood at the front, and I actually don't know how some of the registrars get through sometimes yeah. when they're speaking as well, and they can see all this emotion going on. Yeah. That yeah, you are there actually just witnessing everyone get emotional. Yeah. No, I find, I find it... I th- do you think that it helps as a photographer to be emotionally involved? I think you can often pull out more in your subjects, whoever you're photographing, if you do that. There's been times where I think you've just got to keep a stiff upper lip, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> pull yourself together. But I, I certainly think within wedding photography, it helps. I think it makes your couples feel more relaxed, actually, knowing that it's all quite natural. It is going to be emotional. And I also just, just go with it. Just yeah. make sure you have tissues. Yeah. Or handkerchiefs that can't kind of disintegrate. Yeah, people, people, you see these things. You know, somebody clutching onto one of those little Kleenex packets. Yeah. You're like, oh, really? Do I think there's a marketing idea there, actually, of handkerchiefs yeah. with... Wedding... Yeah, PW wedding on there and my little love heart. With your, with you your logo send out your, your branded <laughs> handkerchiefs. Yeah. So if I must photograph you blowing your nose, yes. at least it's got my branding in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah there, there must be something. And actually make it pink as well, so it stands out yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't have a pink brand though. No, I, have I a, do. I have a white and silver brand, a white and grey brand. What's your favourite bit of the wedding day? Um, do you know, I actually really quite enjoy the speeches because yeah. I stand there and I'm quite relaxed at that point because the service has been generally the the meal's been everyone's feeling a bit more merry. And I like actually listening to what everyone's got to say about the people that are getting married. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that and to have a, a bit of a giggle with, you know, the the best man who's doing his speech. But I like the entire day, to be quite honest. I like the whole day. Yeah. There isn't a part of the day that I don't like. The part I don't like is feeling anxious before the wedding. Yes. That's the bit I don't like about a wedding day. And I wish I didn't feel like that, but maybe that just means you care and you just want to do the best you can do for yeah. for that couple, really. I think you, you learn... I remember, I mean, as a drummer, so I used to be on stage a lot, and I always felt the same then before going on stage. And I think it's just stage fright. Yeah. You know, actors talk about it, and a performer's own. Steve, the guy I had on the uh, webcast, the podcast the other day, he spoke about it before he played every match. Yeah. You know, I think it's normal. But it's no less uncomfortable. No, and you think you'd be used to it. And actually, as a photographer, generally, you're, you're quite an outgoing character. Mm. And you think that that would help, but it, it doesn't at all. No, I don't think it does. And as I've heard in your podcast, actually, sometimes you feel that that can be a bit of an act where I'm not acting, but you kind it's, of put this different persona on. I'm so confident when I have my yeah. camera in my hands. It's a performance. Yeah. There's no doubt about the fact that it's a performance. Yeah. Um, and it has to be, and, and sometimes, you know, there are, I've seen photographers whose their, their performance is quiet and gentle, and there are others I've seen who are very loud and brash. Yeah. 
you know, I'm bouncy, I'm very energetic when I'm working. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's important, it is a performance, but it's important to remember it's not a rehearsal. No. Oh, you yeah, have yeah, to get absolutely. it right, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the pressure of photography, especially wedding photography. You have to get it right, there's no reruns on that. No. no, not at all. And so after the wedding, how do you then interact with a client? So after that, well before that actually, all my interaction starts before, they know exactly what's going to happen after the wedding. Um, by that time they've generally chosen their album so we choose their album we choose what the material's going to look like um so you do all how that before? Big i do all of that oh, beforehand okay. and it doesn't matter if it changes and they change their mind but at least they know that they're having an album they know which way it's going to be whether it's landscape or portraits we kind of got an idea in my head what size it's going to be so it makes my job a lot easier after the wedding. So I go, I back up my card straight away coming in from a wedding. So I can come in at 10 o'clock in the evening and my backup starts then. Yep. Um, straight away the day after I put a sneak peek out, just say thank you for having me. I love the day. Here's a little sneak peek for, for those that were there. And also those that weren't there and couldn't make it, then here's an image of of the new Mr. and Mrs. or Mr. and Wait, Mr. Wait, do you do that on Facebook? I do that on Facebook. Do you get permission to do that? Yeah, so they sign their terms on conditions beforehand. And I do have some people that say that they'd rather not. You know, a lot of my couples are doctors and work in that kind of profession yeah. and they don't want their image online. And that's fine, I respect that. I'm not one of these that, I know there's some photographers that say, well, if I can't use your images, then I'm, maybe I'm not the photographer for you because I need to be able to use that yeah. to market. I'm not like that, I respect that and I think, you know, I still want to work with you, a beautiful couple. We've clicked, and that's the main part of your yeah. job. You've got to click with your couple. Um, so, yeah, I get their permission to put that online. Yeah, I, I think here now the majority of our clients would say no Yeah. to putting images out, certainly before they've seen them. Yeah. Um, and an awful lot after they've seen them because, the, you know, I'm very lucky. I get some really nice clients in here. Yeah. But I win them because people have said, when they've asked who's, who would, what was the word somebody used? I can't remember what it was. Basically, who would you trust? That's one of the big venues. Who would you trust not to share any of these pictures? And I, I got the job. Mm. And we've built a brand around that, but it's really frustrating when you have a beautiful picture, particularly someone well-known, Yeah. and you just, no, I can't use it. Yeah. But, uh, and you've got to respect that. And that's, you know, that's their images, and that's why they've taken you on. And, mm. you know, different photographers have different But models. it's always the way that that's yeah. the beautiful picture that would you do. You really want to share you it. You just want to share it, because you, you're going to glow in that glory. But, and yeah. they're like, no, damn. Yeah. Damn. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever have them coming back though and saying, because when I've got this, I, I do them, get them occasionally coming back and saying, do you know what? We're stressed a bit too much about it going online and we're quite happy for you to write a blog about it or share an image. Uh, occasionally when we've prodded someone and said that we have a specific use, um, I've got one going through at the moment. The shoot was beautiful. It was not a wedding, it was a shoot. Um, gorgeous family, gorgeous son. And she came for those big fine art, you know, she had seen the stuff we've used in competitions and wanted an image like that. Yeah. Her brief was quite specific, no smiling. I don't want a laughy, twite family group. I just want a shot of my son. The four of them came, to uh, mum, dad, dog, son. And they've actually gone away with the most beautiful pictures of their family as well. And it's, it's such a pleasure to have a client like that. Yeah. But she doesn't want her images online. And I completely understand but of course it would be that shoot where I've created these amazing, yeah. you know, photographers to photographers images. And you get, yeah. you, 
even though they don't allow that, do you do you get use for competitions? Maybe no, nothing. No. I can use them inside the studio. Right. So I mean, it's one of those. We've had that before, and, and if I've really wanted to, I'll press. Yeah. I've got one client that said no usage anywhere, and I just said, look, I've. And they're a long client. They've been with me for a long time. And I said, look, you know, I came into this industry to create images like that one. Please, I don't care what else you say no to. Can I use that one of your little girl? And they said yes in the end, as long as you do not use her name. Yeah. So I've got access to the picture and I can use it. It's just everything I came into this industry to do. You know, it's joyous, it's sunny, it's, yeah, but it's yeah. a well-constructed image. It has all of the, it ticks all of the boxes. And it's just lovely. It wouldn't do well in a competition. It's not gonna. It's not that kind of image. Yeah, but, but you do want to share your work, don't you? Of course You're you proud do. of what you've yeah, yeah, yeah. created. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and different people. Sometimes it's because they're shy. Sometimes it's because they work in sensitive industries. Yeah. Sometimes it's because they're really well known, and you know, there's lots of reasons why people. Yeah. Don't want their images shared. So, uh, how long after the wedding do they come back and see their pictures? So I promised within my terms and conditions it's six weeks. Yep. And I do try and over-deliver that and have it done within three, four weeks. So you work on your own, don't you? I do work on my own. And I don't outsource anything, actually. I know. I do, <laughs> I do, I do it all. <laughs> I do the social yeah. media. I do the business side of it. I, I do the editing. I think I've shot the wedding. I want to see it through from start to finish. And that goes the same with um, the album as well, actually. I think... I know what my couples like and when I come to design an album I do say to them have a look through your images let's have a look together you tell me which are your absolute favorites that you've got to have in there because what my favorite is isn't necessarily mm. going to be their favorite and the ones of family that I think maybe they're going to put in the album they actually don't want maybe Aunt Doris in there so they've chosen a different one but what I will do is create an album first for them and then show them so they've got an idea of how it can look and then they, they'll often change one or two images around. Yeah. But yeah, I generally get to, to edit their images and show them three, four, three, four weeks after the wedding. All right, okay. Um, and so let's talk now about uh, where you're moving to. So we've obviously a very successful photographer um, in your own right. Um, and now you've got this whole new venture that I'm sure you're itching to talk about. <laughs> I've, kind of, I've steered you around it. Yeah. Is um, that my corporate photography? <laughs> oh, we can talk about corporate photography if you want to. I'm very happy to talk about corporate yeah, photography. No, I do the corporate um, photography as well. But yeah, you are right. I have got a new venture that is on the horizon. So tell me about that. Um, it's a new venture by the name of RISE, which in itself stands, stands for RISE. Um, Da, the da, da, word da, da, da. rise stands for respect, <laughs> inspire, support and educate. And this is where people are going to have a sharp intake of breath because it's for professional female photographers. What? And that is the business model. It's for, for female photographers to join as members. Why? Well, I've been in the industry, you know, not as long as a lot of the photographers out there that I aspire to take images like. But I have been a member of um, a few associations and I do love an association. And the reason I joined an association might be different to someone else's. But I joined to be part of a community and to be inspired and to share ideas. And it's a very lonely world. And as we've just said, I, I work on my own. I don't outsource anything. Uh, but I've built up this network of, of friends and that's only by being part of an association. 
So what I've found from that though is, I've, I'm trying to put this in the best way I can. <laughs> <laughs> that I have, I've gained a lot of female friends of photographers and I know how many photographers have come out of the industry either altogether or they've shied away from coming forward with their, their art as such because of feedback maybe that they've been given. And I know that you've spoken in your podcast before about the correct way to be given feedback and being mentored and that kind of thing. And I just think there's a place for female photographers to get together, share ideas, and actually not to be in fear of having their images and their art well, maybe the delicate little flowers, some photographers, and I think a lot of people would say that photographers are, are delicate and, and nobody likes their work not to be recognised because it's your best work, isn't it? You're showing it because you love it. You put your work out there because you're proud of it. You enter it into a competition because you think it's possibly going to win. You know, I don't know anybody that really enters a competition just to get feedback on an image. No. They enter it because they think they're going to win. And I just think there's, there's a place for female photographers, how they learn differently from each other. I think females learn very differently from men. They share, share very differently from men. And often they can be taught very differently than men. And that's why we've gone on the female side of things. Question for you, Dave. Uh, having sat as a judge on yeah. various panels and bits and pieces, um, some of the fiercest feedback I've ever seen was from women. Right. So... Interesting. Yeah. And you mean fierce by... I mean, as in constructive or... Well, I, well, I think, it, you know, constructive and destructive feedback. I mean, I, I, as you, you're right, I get very cross when people simply slate an image because that's not very helpful, doesn't matter yeah. who you are. But I do think that, on the whole, the perception of whether it's constructive or destructive sits with the recipient, the receiver of the feedback as opposed yeah. to the giver. The giver, on the whole, is rarely, I have seen it, it does happen, <laughs> but it's rarely just trying to be an arse and you know, yeah. shouting. Most of the time, the feedback that people are giving is they're picking holes. I mean, the wording can be, you know, yeah. I've, I've, there are some people in our industry, we all know, whose wording of the criticism is uh, on the brutal end of brutal, to the yeah. point of it being unnecessarily so, some would think. Um, but in the end, they're, they're only really saying, look, if you did this differently, it would be, a, in their opinion, a better image. Yeah. And what I'm saying, I guess, is that uh, some of the people I've met on judging panels, uh, some of the fiercest, most blunt, as opposed to, you know, let's start with the positives, let's deal with the negatives, let's go back to the positives. The old, you know, yeah. we used to call it when I was a yeah. manager, we changed the shit sandwich. Yeah. We all know this, it's page one of the management handbook, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Good news, bad news, good news. Um, they don't bother with any of the good news, it's just the bad news. And that's actually from, you know, I've seen equally as bad from female judges as I yeah. have from male judges. I think there's, yeah, of course. You know, I'm not, I, I'm curious as to how you're going to make sure that doesn't appear, even though. Yeah, I think it's not just that. I think it's, I think it's celebrating what women have also got to offer the photographic industry. I don't think it's just about feedback. It's far from just about feedback. 
you know, there's some statistics out there that would say there's actually more female photographers Mm. than there are male photographers, but yet 85% of magazine covers are shot by men. And, you know, a lot of the... I can go through reams and reams of pages of the website and put in the 20 most world-famous photographers and you would get a list of 20 and there'd be two women on there. And I just think it's... It's going to be nice to recognise those women that are at the top of the game to stand head and shoulders with the men at the top of the game and move forward. And the other thing that we want to do with RISE as an organisation is to have the whole industry together, not just how to shoot the next best image and uh, photographers working in isolation, we want to be working with the whole industry. You know, we want to work together with all the trade partners. We want to work together with editors of magazines to find out what they want. You know, we the, there's it's a big industry. It's not mm. just about taking an image. It's far bigger than that. And actually, we want to embrace that. And I think that's what the industry wants as well, actually. And that's what the industry needs. Now, that does include men. And I know I can see that on your face, but we're on a podcast, you can't see that. It, it does include men. And, and you know, we've, I've had recently people saying, I think it's a great idea what you're doing. And if that's the way that we can start to elevate photography in general as a whole, then great. And maybe in 18 months time, in two years, who knows, Rise might open up to everybody, hopefully in a new different face of what photography is. And, and how photography is also perceived by the public as well, that it's not just an image, that there's far more that goes into creating that image than just giving them a yeah. print at the end of the day. It's, it's a whole business, isn't it? Yeah, so are you, is your ambition to build another association? Well, association as a definition has to be run by... Um, it has to have directors and, and you know all about yeah, this and yeah, yeah. a board and yeah. all of that. And actually, Rise is an organisation. There's two of us, which I haven't said so far. I am in this with a friend of mine um, who's also, you know, very good in business and very successful at what she does, um, who is Fiona. So there's the two of us in this and we haven't got a board together and we're not doing it where we're having, you know, monthly regional meetings it is a little bit different in the fact that we're also approaching it from a big business angle um it's a different in the fact that we don't want money from trade partners we don't want money from ambassadors we don't want that we think as an as an organization it can stand alone with the membership and run that way what i think needs to happen in the industry, that the whole industry works together. And I think that, if you're talking about the embryo of something, I think that is what the embryo is there, is that there's a new wave. No longer is it just photography on its own and let's embrace photography and the image and put you on a course to, you know, how to style a bride and groom and how to place your lights. It's, It's a far bigger picture. Right. I'm not entirely certain I understood all of that. <laughs> You're clearly cleverer than I am. Um, I mean, I know it would be successful. Are yeah. you going to have things like qualifications and competitions and all of those kinds of things as part of what you're doing? 
You know, currently we're not doing qualifications and I think it's so new and we will, by, we will be guided by members. We will be guided by what they would like. We've got a template of how um, it's gonna look at least for the first six months on what we'd like to do with it and moving forward. But people have come to us already and said, you know, we think this is gonna be big. We think this is what the industry needs. And yes, you are just doing it for women and we feel excluded as men, but actually men are now coming around and saying, I think it's a great thing. And you know, women share things that in general, and I'm generalizing that men don't necessarily themselves deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So as women we do, and this is kind of always the unspoken, isn't it? You know, people say, well, men and women are the same and we're not the same. You know, women in general, as I say, I'm generalizing, they do look <laughs> after the children and they do go out and buy the clothes and they do go out and get the food and then they do do tea and they do do the washing and they're trying to do their businesses as well. And I think sometimes it's nice just to have an understanding place for females to actually vocalize that. And what I don't want is um, an organization that is kind of a washroom that isn't what I want what I want is somewhere professional for everyone to go that we know their struggles on a daily basis weekly monthly but we also want to elevate their business and actually some women and this is men as well they don't know how to go about the business side of it they know how to take an amazing image but they feel they want help on the business side of things and sometimes that's a little bit frowned on or I've personally seen it happen and, and seen it witnessed it's like oh come on surely you know how to do that and actually that's when women recoil and think oh my god I'm a, I'm a bit daft should I know that and I just think there's a different way of kind of approaching photography and as I said if in two years time 18 months time that can open up and this is the embryo that's you know we're going to go on and have twins and quads and and all the rest of it then brilliant you know, bring it on. But we have had a lot of interest, not just from the UK, we were gonna start small, but we've had um, women contact us from Canada, from France, Malaysia, big over in Malaysia, as you would know, yeah, yeah. Um, in the States as well. And there has been a resurgence, I think, of these female groups coming forward. And I don't think it's a bad thing, to be honest. No, I think it'd be. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. You know, with your with your talents and your business now, and your general popularity, I think it'd be amazingly successful. I, I don't question that at all. Thank you. I just you know, I watch with interest. Well, I'll be involved. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to be involved because we're delighted that you, yeah, you no, would more, like to be one of well, our I've been a mate of yours for, yeah. for a fairly long time. I've been an admirer of yours for a very long time. Actually, I think that's closer to the truth. You know, I've grown. The friendship has grown out of the fact that I've loved working with you. I think you have energy and positivity that this industry—it's an industry that's a bit fond of navel gazing. It's a little bit fond of being introspective and looking on the downside. And I think actually we need the biggest single thing. If I could inject it into the industry, would be positivity. Yeah, definitely. Just be nice, be positive, be energetic. Yeah, and it's absolutely. amazing. You know, we built a business around almost those keywords. Actually, one of these days, I've got the letter I wrote to Sarah. I don't know if I've ever read it out on the podcast. I'll research, and if I haven't, I will do. I'll dedicate a podcast to just that. Yeah, interesting. It's the letter I wrote to Sarah that describes why I was giving up a six-figure salary in the city <laughs> <laughs> to do photography. 
it's pretty much a pleading letter. Let me do this. I need to do this. Uh, but it's it's essentially about that energy and positivity. So. Yeah, and I think you know anyone that knows me, they know that I am positive, beyond positive. Really, I always see the positive side in things. I do like smiling. I think you have a smile. Like I said to you this morning, there's something missing. You know, yeah. you're undressed and you're like, oh, what do you mean? Well, I just think anybody who hasn't got a smile is undressed in life, really. And yeah. I do think, you, you know, life is really short and uh, there'll be a lot of people listening to, to that line that will definitely relate to that. Um, you have to be positive in life and you have to inject a bit of fun into life and we do want rise to be fun as well we want it a, to be a fun energetic professional place yeah. to be well i'm sure you'll absolutely succeed in that endeavor uh, and i wish you the best of luck how do people find it people find it by going to uh, all the w's rise r-i-s-e hyphen p-f-p which stands for professional female photographers Com. So it's rise-pfp.com. And you launch when? We actually launched three weeks yesterday. So we're, we're launches in membership. We'll be taking yeah. membership from the 1st of August. Right. We've already got a few hundred signed up to our newsletter, which is great, which has been running for about six weeks. So from a standing start of six weeks to have a few hundred already subscribed to our newsletters is, is brilliant. Fantastic. Well, I wish you best of luck with that. Uh, now, as you, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I'm hoping you've come prepared. With the, oh, title, <laughs> with the title of the book that we're going to add to our little library of books here. It's an actual library. I really do have the library of you books. You have a library. Now, I, I've thought about this because I did, I did email Sarah and say, have you got a list of questions that Paul might ask me that I can go and research? I know it's about me, but go and research. And she said, no, there are no questions. Just take it as it is. But could you please bring a your, your yeah, kind yeah, that's of good. Well book. done, Sarah. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. Now, there's lots of books out there that you could go and get on photography and, you know, people that you aspire to be like. And I have got photography books that I love. But I've thought long and hard about the one that I'm going to recommend. And I've actually bought you a copy. Oh, have you? I have. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even easier. So it's here. It's called A Coastal Reflection. A Coastal Reflection. And you will have never heard of it. Can you buy it? You can buy it. You okay. can buy it on Blurb, I think. Blurb Books. Okay. Um, now, anyone knows you can go and buy a Blurb book and you can yeah. go and have your imagery turned yeah. into a Blurb book. But this is by a friend of mine called right. Mary Shaler. Now, Mary, I would, the reason I've chosen this is because it stands for everything that I went into photography for. Right. Now, Mary, I met on a course. She did the City and Guilds course with us and she was, um, she's a lady that retired from a very senior job. Um, and she picked up a camera and she just loves taking images. And for me, that's what I wanted this book to represent. Sorry, the dog's just Yeah, the dog's just in. wandered back in. Yeah. He wants to know about the book. He's trying to find out whether he can get to the biscuits and <laughs> or sneak out into the garden. Rufus, Rufus. You have to use the commands twice with our dog. There he goes. Oh, so there he's gone. Very, very obedient. So the book is more about why I went into photography originally, and it right. was because of the love of doing it and taking images. And that's, when this is on your shelf, I want you to remember why I brought this. It isn't because of, 
it's a photographer who does great black and white images and they've been going for 120 years or whatever it is it's it's because of the reason I got into photography and it's somebody I met through photography who's produced it and I also get a mention in there because we became very close a few of us on on the workshop and that's what I want you to take from this book it's called a coastal reflection well, what by a Mary lovely Shaler. thing that's 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 supposed to be the most personal recommendation we've had to date. So it's called A Coastal Reflection, which is Sea, Stones, Groins and Light by Mary Shaler. I shall enjoy reading that. I shall enjoy putting that into our library. Uh, you can buy it on Blur Books. I will put, I will find it and put the notes and links, if Perfect. I can, uh, into the uh, footnotes to the podcast. Fabulous. There's one other thing, though. Oh, really? Oh, is there something? So yes, because Paul says, oh, that's brilliant you're doing that. But do you think I could recommend a book for Paul? Oh, right, yeah, of course. He's Paul, also sent you a book. But Paul, by the way, is um, Karen's <laughs> husband, for those of you who haven't pieced that together from... Is this someone he met on a course? No, this is uh, a book that he said you think he'd like this because I'd like to give him a boy's book. A boy's book. So this is... You might need to, the you might need to say Mart what this boy's book is. Right, so the book is uh, it's titled 1913 to 2013 and it's the Aston Martin centenary celebration program that's a proper boys book <laughs> that's a proper boys book um oh, beautiful photographs and, and, and a car that my dream car is an aston martin uh, paul guessed correctly on that um it's the car that if i had the chance and had the money I, I wouldn't trade i wouldn't give away my land rover but i would buy i would buy uh would it be the vanquish i don't know if it would be the vanquish i think Look at that. So you're Beautiful. very excited about that. I can see that. So I'm very excited about that. I'm not sure that. if that'll end up in your library or whether I, I, Sarah's going to end up with that at the side of a bed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Along with the letter I wrote to her all those years ago yeah. that explains why we could never now afford one of these. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Yeah, that's right. I jumped industries into from an industry where I could have bought one of these to an industry where I'm unlikely to. I might get to photograph people in them occasionally, which I have. Mm. Uh, one of my favourite weddings, an early wedding, actually, they had a DB3. Uh, turn up at the wedding beautiful car just a beautiful car so anyway thank you thank cars. you Paul uh, again I will endeavour to find links where you can buy this thing if it's possible to buy it this might be a one-off actually the Centenary Celebration Programme suggests that's a slightly rarer book than you'll be able to buy but I am honoured and privileged to have that in the library that is magnificent thank you Paul thank you Karen what an absolute pleasure it is to have you lying on my sofa <laughs> <laughs> i've loved it and a very comfy sofa it is too and i'm gonna do all the so i might i was actually thinking the, the, i was toying this morning because i've got this idea in my head for doing a podcast where uh, this is very static you know and so the energy comes from yeah. what we talk about and i wondered whether actually what we'll do is radio mic the two of us and do a shoot ah i wondered whether actually having someone in front of the camera because people yeah. tell me things when they're in front of the camera that they wouldn't normally say yeah. people do we all know all photographers know this i think yeah, yeah. which is people say things when they i think the adrenaline rises yeah and they open up in a way that i've never known people open up in any other situation yeah it's and great I, isn't I thought it? it'd be funny except for the fact that i'd have to figure out how to mic them so that i don't have to photoshop out a lavalier mic or a lapel mic out of every shot oh yeah that'd be irritating it would be it? irritating but yeah. i think it'd be good fun and i nearly yeah, did that i nearly different. did that had i not had a disc failure that's how we were going to do this podcast, but then the disclaimer. I'd have been somewhat... your trial run. I like that. Well, you're, I, I figured we weren't going to get into a row. You know, I've pressed you on a few bits, but it's been a very gentle. I mean, our podcasts are gentle. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a news journalist. You know. You know, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to all of them. Oh, there you go. You I were on one them. of them. So I, I think this will go out next early next week. I would have thought. 
Ah, fabulous. None of that matters. If you're listening to this now, it's already not, out. Yeah. yeah, so early next week means nothing, no. however. Could yeah. be any week. It could be any week. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Karen. I wish you all of the best with Rise. I think you're a phenomenal person, a phenomenal photographer, and a genuine pleasure. A genuine pleasure to consider a friend. I think it's, uh, it's lovely. So good on you. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Oh, what a pleasure this job is. I just get to sit and chat with people who I really like. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, and we really do hope you have, a lot of work goes into these, then please do head over to masteringportraitphotography.com and give us some support. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you uh, consume your particular podcasts. Uh, this one is uh, homed on Podbean, but it's also available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, and many others besides. Uh, please do subscribe. Please also do leave us a review. We love to hear from you. The best place for reviews is iTunes because, of course, it's by far the biggest source of podcasting, at least for us here in the UK. Uh, and all of the good reviews and all of the good ratings really, really help us. And it makes it possible for us to continue uh, producing um, these podcasts. Uh, also, uh, we're at a little bit of a juncture with these. Um, I started out, uh, the podcast really was a diary. It was just a diary of a working pro. And, and as time has gone on over the past 18 months or so, uh, we've started to include interviews and various other bits and pieces. We thought we'd mix it up a little bit. And of course, there's an awful lot to be learned. If you're a professional photographer, there's a lot to be learned uh, from other businesses. However, I'm starting to get feedback that people really like uh, the monologues where it's just me and a microphone sitting talking about life as a photographer. Uh, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Please do email me. I'm on Paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's Paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. Oh, it's a mouthful today. I don't know what it is about today. I'm on my first cup of coffee. Clearly, I should have several before I record anything. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you, either with uh, your view as to whether I should uh, have more interviews or fewer interviews, uh, whether we should do more of the diaries. And if you like uh, either of those, th of those things, then why not send us in some ideas of either subjects that we could chat about, if it's just me with a microphone, uh, or people that it would be nice to interview. Um, of course, at the moment, I'm picking out people who I find inspirational or I find interesting and I think have something uh, to add to my world as a professional photographer. But if you have someone you'd like us uh, to talk to, then please, again, do email us. And on that happy note, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And here's me signing off uh, for the next week or so. And remember, be kind to yourself. Take care. Yeah.